Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Nine Files of Podcast. No, that's awful. Hold on. Um, <laughs> that was awful. Okay, uh, let me try it. Let me try it. Hey, guys, okay. uh, and welcome to the Nine Fossil Podcast uh, with my the, amazing the podcast. Uh, the podcast <laughs> uh, <laughs> with uh, my my esteemed esteemed colleague. Yes, um, the Vincent. Uh, I was going to say Vincent Van Gogh. <laughs> He still the doesn't Vincent. know my last name, friends. He's known me for Calderon. four years. No, it's not Calderon, yeah. is it? No, no I'm mixing Sean's name yeah. and your name. Yeah, is, Sean is uh, on staff at Mosaic, if you guys are listening. And he has his last name is Calderon. My name is Candelore. <laughs> and that has been an oh, absolute God. nightmare for, for me to try to figure out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it doesn't call, help okay. that we're both – we just established this that we're, we're – we're both very sleepy this morning. What What is going on today? Man? I don't know, man. I don't you know, even know. It's Friday, so it should be. It is. We're recording it, yeah. this on a Friday, yep. And we should be awake. Excited for the yeah, weekend. We, yeah, I know. I but, don't know. you know, what's, I have, like, it's not an excuse, but I have a reason. So, like, I, I had all these goals today to get up okay. super early and be very, <sighs> like, um, you know, like. On, Productive? You know, like, on, yeah, productive. And so I, I set my alarm. It was like 6 a.m. Well, I'm sitting there. I must have been sleeping with my hands like near my eye or like near my face. Well, when the alarm went off, it scared me. And I punched myself in the eye. And I'm not, okay. even, I'm not even kidding. You're kidding I punched me. myself in the eye. And then my eye was watering like crazy. So I sat there and <laughs> held it because I was like, it hurt so bad. And then I fell back asleep holding my eye. So... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm off to a rough start. I beat myself up as soon as I woke up this morning. So. Oh, man. We've talked about you beating yourself up with words, but physically, that's a whole <laughs> new level right here. It's a bro. whole new level, man. Oh, a whole man. New level. Well, that brings us to our uh, our, our person. <laughs> Wait, that's the worst, worst transition. It is, it is, but uh, Derwin <laughs> will forgive me. So Derwin Gray is our next guest for our uh, on the season of podcast called the dark rooms. And we're talking about how God uses dark spaces, like dark room, dark times in our life to redevelop us. And so versus green room where with leaders, you know, in the green room is where you kind of front a little bit, or you just show your best stuff, but the dark room is where it happens. So I'm pretty pumped about it, man. And you should be too, bro, because he's a NFL player, ex NFL player. So yeah, it's I'm huge. definitely pumped for that. Um, it's it's going to be refreshing to hear somebody that that you know knows what an American football actually <laughs> looks like, and you know, I mean, whatever, <laughs> man. You you I I know you, you believe that NFL just stands for like Naeem Fazel something. Like <laughs> it does, it does. <laughs> Naeem Fazel league. That would be a league, though. I would <laughs> that pay would a be a lot of money to watch a bunch of people that know about it as much as. About football as you do, just playing a game. I would pay money to see that. Oh my gosh! Hey, I think we should just stop before you get punched in the, in the other eye, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, go to Derwin. So, guys, this is going to be great. Uh, so, have a listen. All right. Well, uh, friends, I am so pumped to have uh, a buddy of mine. And you know, the great thing about these podcasts is that the people who've been on there are actually true friends of mine, and not people I just met. Um, and so Derwin, thank you so much for being on, bro. Hey, thank you so much. And I just want everybody to know that I'm really not Naeem's friend. Um, I'm only doing this because his wife was like, Naeem doesn't really have a lot of friends. I'll pay you $29.95. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. You Listen, owe me sushi, all, I... man. You never pay for sushi well, when we go that, eat. Can I say, no, I can't say yeah, that's bull. That's bull. That's bull. That's bull. I every time we eat sushi, I pay no. for it for like five years no. straight. No, that's not even true. It's not even true. Not really even true. And you the only reason why you and the only reason why you are friends with me because you think I have Bollywood connections and you're that trying to get true. famous in Bollywood. Yeah, yeah. There is no doubt that I have never seen you and any of the male Bollywood stars in the same room at the same time. So I am convinced that when you are on vacation mm. and stuff, you're actually doing Bollywood and killing it. Like you are a legend. 
Dude, that might be the best conspiracy theory I have heard all, <laughs> all year. I'm, I'm telling you, man, when I was in Calcutta, India, I, I, I was like, I seen a billboard and I'm like, that's, that's naive. But yeah. it was a different name, though. Mm. Of course, I'm not a dummy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, I was like, this guy is an actor and a theologian oh, okay. and pastor. Okay, 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 okay. We got to, we're going to keep on talking about this. All right. So, friends, uh, so Derwin, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell our audience who you are, my friends. And there's yeah, so man. many things. So, yeah, I am, I am Vicky's husband. We met in college when I was 18, she was 19. We've been together 31 years. We'll That's be married awesome. 29 years, May 23rd. I'm Presley and Jeremiah's dad. Uh, Presley's 24, Jeremiah's 20. And uh, I'm the co-founder, along with my wife, of Transformation Church. We are a multi-ethnic, multi-generational, mission-shaped community that loves Jesus and that loves people. Um, previous to becoming a pastor, um, I played in the NFL from 1993 to 1997 with the Indianapolis Colts, and in 1998 with the Carolina Panthers. That's how we got here to the Southeast, and my wife and I both were mm. like, we will never live in the <laughs> South ever. And then after two weeks, we were like, Charlotte is absolutely <laughs> incredible. We are never leaving. And yeah. previous to playing in the NFL, my wife and I both met at Brigham Young University, which is a Mormon school. And so she oh, was really? not a Mormon. I was not a Mormon. If somebody would have asked us, are you Christians? We would have said, well, yeah, but we had no idea of what the good news was. We, we had no idea mm. of the person of King J Jesus. Like we had no idea of his grace. And so for me, I grew up in the hood on the west side of San Antonio, Texas, uh, my mom and dad were both teenagers when they had me. They both struggled with various things. My grandmother primarily raised me. And when you grow up poor, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just like straight survival mode. So I felt like I yeah, was an yeah. adult since I was about 12, right? And so um, because we were not people, uh, I, I guess the best way to say it is we had quasi-religion but we didn't have relationship with Jesus and we never went yeah. to church. We never prayed together and the human heart's going to worship something. So for me, it was football, uh, football, oh, gave me okay. the three, football gave me the three components of worship, affirmation, identity, purpose. If I played mm. well, people love me. It told That's me I was good, a player man. and it gave me mission to get out of the hood, to get to college. And so, um, yeah, man, um, I eventually came to faith in the NFL through a teammate who shared Christ with me for five years. His name was Steve Grant, but his, his nickname was the Naked Preacher because he literally would take a shower after practice, dry off, wrap a towel around his waist, get his Bible and ask my teammates, do you know Jesus? And in my mind, I'm like, bro, do you know you're half naked? And so it, it was really oh weird. Oh my gosh, that's yeah, man, so but crazy. Yeah, over a five-year period, I came to faith through a teammate. My wife, six months before me, came to faith through a woman at her job. And uh, like when Jesus came into our lives, man, it, it, it was like the lights turned on. But more importantly, um, both my wife and I were just blown away by how can someone love me this much? Yeah, yeah. I know everything that, that I've done. So, yeah, man. That's awesome, bro. Well, yeah, these sessions that we're doing right now, man, I'm calling them dark room sessions versus green room sessions because I wanted to actually uh, have a conversation that it's deeper. And I think you've already gone there um, because sometimes in the green room, you know, the green room talk among people can be just superficial. Everybody's just trying to you yeah. know, trying to be bigger than they are. But dark room is where, you know, like a photographer, you know, dark room is where the negative is processed, it develops. So um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to these conversations because I want to know how God has developed you, the inside of you, you know, taking all the, not necessarily the negative things, but taken out and brought everything to color in a sense brought everything to life in you and within you so it requires the dark room you know the dark night of the soul as mm -hmm. one um um i think he was a latino um pastor or theologian said but um uh so let me ask you were you looking for anything in particular before you met jesus 
Like, as in, uh, you know like, what? what was yes. the point of you, like, what? You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I need to be obedient to the Holy Spirit before I answer this question. Um, Naeem, one of, one of your incredible gifts that you have is you're able to take ordinary things and see the... Let me put it this way. You're, you're able to take common things and make them uncommon and beautiful. And I think you should take these dark room sessions and turn it into like a book, because I oh. think everybody wants to live in the green room. But the yeah. reality is that we're all in the dark room, but it's in the dark that God shines the brightest and helps us to shine. So, so uh, I, just, you, I, just, I just want to speak that over you. And, uh, All right. Well, you're writing the forward to it then. Okay, done. <laughs> so, um, yeah, man. You, you know what? So, 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 what I was looking for, what mm -hmm. I was on a quest for, is I wanted to be loved. Like mm -hmm. I wanted to be loved. So this isn't any shade against my family, but the the reality is what it is, man. Is like we didn't say I love you much. We didn't eat dinner together as a family. Like um, I always felt. Um, man, am I really worth it? Does anybody even know me? Does anybody even know that I'm here? And so when you're in survival mode, you, you just, you just like do what you got to do. You, you know, you know what I'm right, saying? Right, right. And so there was so much dysfunction, so much brokenness that it's like, listen, if it's to be, it's up to me. But what I was looking for is through football is, is I wanted someone to say, you're good enough and I love you. And so, so and yeah. so when you get successful, you think money and you think fame mm. and you think power, you get the girl, you get the stuff and you think that that's going to tell you you're good enough. But here's the thing, though. Every year I played in the NFL at the end of the year, I'd say, man, if I could just play one more year, I'd be happy. If I could play yeah. one more year, I'd be ha ha happy. And so, yeah, man, I was looking for wow. love. So let me ask you this to go a little step deeper, like love in translation. You said you mentioned it. Um, you wanted to be loved. But if I would give you two categories, love as in wanting to be admired at, or wanting to be known, you know, because I find myself being like, I want to be loved. But what I mean, though, is I, I I'd rather you admire me than know me. Yeah, no, for 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 me, it was. I want to be seen as valued. Oh, okay. I want to be, I want someone to tell me it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. I want someone to say, regardless of what you've done, I love you. I'm for you. And so here's, here's the thing about living a performance-based life, whether if you are an NFL player like I used to be, or just normal human beings, is every relationship is predicated upon what you can do to earn love. I mean, except for maybe a mother, right? Or a dad. But even as the yeah. kids get older, it's still performance-based. There's only one relationship where someone says, you can't perform good enough. Yeah. Or can you perform bad enough? for me not to be your enough. And so the, yeah. human, the human quest for all of us when we strip it away is, is there anybody that will accept me when they know everything about me? And as a professional football player, my whole life was, was, was this, how big are you? How fast are you? How strong are you? How good is your game film? Yeah, um, yeah. All those things. And even to get drafted by the NFL, like you walk into a room, in your underwear, they measure your arms, they measure your hair, yeah. see how tall you are. Everything is built on performance. And then when I met Jesus, it was it was like he said, you can stop the measuring. Yeah. Stop the running. And it's like, well, why? He goes, because I am your measurement. I am the yeah. standard. I'm the one who steps in your place to give you grace. And so mm -hmm not growing up in a church environment, the message and the beauty of God's grace was simply overwhelming. I haven't gotten over it yet, nor do yeah. I want to. It is simply yeah. overwhelming. And I, I think that's the human heart for everybody 
is that we yeah. want someone to say, I love you independent of what you do or haven't done, but all wholly depend upon me and who I am. We're looking yeah. for father. That's why Jesus says our father. We're looking yeah. for that fatherly love that can only be found in the divine. Yeah, man, that's so good, bro. So good. The reason why I asked you that is because, you know, when, so when I came, uh, when I met Jesus, I, I was, I was looking for purpose. Uh, you know, I, and um, I felt like that's why maybe don't know exactly why, but uh, the, when I, the, the first night I met Jesus, it was a calling. It was not even like more of a, mm -hmm. you know, it was, I wasn't necessarily looking for forgiveness or love. Mm -hmm. but, um, and then it was the first words were your life is not your own. I mean, that mm -hmm. was it. Like it's, oh, it's, oh, it's yeah. everything you thought is not, whatever you thought you were going to do, you're not going to do, or it's going to be different. So mm -hmm. I think what happens there though, is this idea of sense of purpose. I think it's really key for us as leaders to, um, to acknowledge that because that creeps up in everything we do and that shows up. Mm -hmm. So this idea of being measured, this idea of being not enough, being someone, uh, getting your identity uh, from performance, um, all of those creeps up in leadership. So my next question is, and it's a, it's a maybe a tougher one or maybe, I don't know, a sensitive one, but like, I know that I, when I stepped into senior pastor, I started struggling with things I thought I would never struggle with. And I'm not talking about like your common sense stuff. I'm not talking about like pornography and, you know, uh, smoking, what, not that. I'm talking about like, oh, wow. Like I am super insecure right now. Or yeah. why am I talking like this? Mm -hmm. Like I found myself in the green room talking myself up. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? Mm -hmm. Why am I bothered by someone not knowing me like it just got i'm like get me out like i want out like before i lived a very simple life yeah does that does that resonate absolutely absolutely so, so then it so then it, then it brings up like it, it like opens the doors to old demons kind of thing you know what i'm saying it's like it's like oh they creep in and start talking and you're like mm -hmm. oh whoa 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 i thought i mm -hmm. i thought i was good yeah yeah. So, so you've, you know, obviously had quite the journey and now you're in the thick of leading, influencing. I mean, you are one of the major voices right now in the U.S., um, speaking in all kinds of arenas. I mean, I mean, that's a, not a tight rope, but that's a lot of burden. Uh, so you think that whole old demons come up? Like, what is something you struggle with? You thought, man, I, I never thought I would struggle with this again. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so um, all leadership is self-autobiographical, meaning that um, the attachments of the past, just because we become a new creation in Christ does not mean that the old is still not rare its head, right? And early right. in early in my faith, I'm like, why am I still struggling with this? And over the years, I've learned that it's not about why are you still struggling with it? It's more about the spirit's power to help you through it. So for me, I've never thought I was enough. Um, up until probably four years ago, I would drive up to Transformation Church going, oh my gosh, people are still here. People showed up. Mm. Because in my life context, I was taught that people who get close to you leave. And as a little kid, you kind of think that, well, that's your fault. You're not good enough. If you were good enough, they will stay, right? And then as a, mm. and you can re relate to this as a minority, right? As a minority leading a multi-ethnic church, there's mm -hmm. always this pressure of, as an African-American, I have to be smarter. I have to be a better preacher. I have to be all of these things to connect with the various people that I'm connecting with. It's like, well, when, did, when is everybody going to figure it out? Like you aren't. <laughs> and, and, and so what I've learned to do, not, not Naeem, and this has helped me so much, is I go, yeah, 
I'm not good enough. That's why I need Jesus to be my good mm-hmm. enough. So whenever the attachments of the flesh, whenever the dark powers try to persuade me that I'm not good enough, I go, amen. <laughs> you are a hundred percent correct. I am not mm-hmm. smart enough. I'm not gifted enough. I am so glad that Jesus is my enough. I am so glad that the Holy Spirit is uh, enough. But but there is always the aspects of insecurity. And it's not us getting over those things. It's us depending upon God in those things. And so, yeah, there are times where I'm going, man, why in the world do I feel insecure? Like mm-hmm. one of the reasons we almost didn't plant Transformation Church is I was like, I'm going to screw it up. I'm disorganized. I mean, I literally lose my wallet once a week. And I'm like, yeah, that, hey, to- by the way, that, that's why you never pay for sushi. Yeah, because my wallet's always gone. <laughs> it's legit. <laughs> like, Naeem, I don't have my wallet. Exactly. <laughs> I'm driving the streets without a wallet. But, you know, it, it's it's one of these things where it's like, yeah. Uh, I, I remember back in 2009, I went to a church planting thing. And uh, it was me and about eight other church pl- planters and two Christian psychologists. And for three days, man, they just filleted us open with God's grace. And one of the exercises was, if Jesus was sitting in a chair right in front of you, what would he say to you? Mm-hmm. And man, when it got to me, I was just bawling. And I said, what he would say to me is, you know, I love you, no strings attached. You are my righteousness. You belong to my father through me. Um, You are forgiven. You are holy. You're pure. You're clean. Everything that you want to be is found in me. I am your enough. Mm. And it gave me clarity that, okay, yeah, Jesus can do this. His grace is sufficient. And so when those thoughts of insecurities come in, I don't fight them. I lean into them and go, yeah, you're right. Jesus is totally, I'm totally not enough. I'm so glad Jesus is my enough. And I find that the weaker I am, the stronger that I am. Like your audience probably doesn't know. I grew up as a compulsive stutterer. Like for Mm -hmm. the, for over half of my life, I was a compulsive stutterer. And um, basically uh, in February, not February, September of 1999, I just retired from the NFL. I got invited to go speak in Columbia, South Carolina. I just retired from the NFL. And I remember being in a shower, like crying to God saying, Lord, why would you send me to speak? You know, I don't speak good. I'll pay for someone to go. I'll pray for someone as they go. Why do you Mm. want to send me? And I sense God saying, if I can raise my son from the dead, I can raise your tongue to talk, but you need to trust me. You have to Mm. go to see it happen. Mm -hmm. Mm. And I still stutter. But there's a freedom now that, yeah. hey man, when I stutter, that just shows my humanness. That shows yeah. that Christ yeah. is my enough. And so, uh, man, I scored a 16 on my ACT. I have a doctorate. I teach literally <laughs> seminary, right? Um, I've, I've written, let's see, one, two, three. I've written four books, and I'm working on book number five now. How does that happen? Is yeah. you lean into your weakness and you say, God, your grace is sufficient. So, yeah, man, I struggle with, uh, with insecurity. Um, I struggle. I'm very competitive. Um, but here's the thing, though. Our competition is not against the body of Christ. Our competition is against the dark powers and the world, the flesh, the devil, right? It's not against yeah. other believers, brothers and sisters. And, and so now you target that competition and those wirings towards the glory of God. But yeah, man, all of us have uh, what mm. I call the spider webs of the flesh. And the way we fight them is not by trying to deny it, is not yeah. trying to fix it, but to lean into it and say, God, your grace is sufficient. You will get me through it. Mm. That's good, man. That's great. You know, I love what you were talking about uh, in terms of like a practice of really acknowledging that you're not enough or whatever the moment requires you might not possess. And it's not really about that, right? It's about not us who, not 
like who's possessed us is really the point, right? It is yes. God's spirit working through us, not yes. who we possess. Yes. Um, I love that. You know, one of the things, the practices that I think will be really helpful, and I'm sure you've done this too, is early on, man, I started journaling and I have 28 years of, of journals. That's uh, uh, so, but, but, but here's what's funny about that, or not funny, here's what's interesting. There are moments when I'm writing, I stop writing as, I don't know how to say this, but as, like I'm writing it. It's not me writing. It's, yeah. it's it turns, it turns, which is, I was started, I was like, when I felt to do that, I was like, this is so weird, but I just turned and it says, hey, Naeem, I want you to know. And it's like, it's like, it's God good. saying. Yeah. So going back to those, like I've gone through years, like I'll go back like 10 years and, and then there's a message and say, mm. name in the future, you're going to feel this. Mm. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm in this moment right now. Yeah. <laughs> so I think amazing. like, I think I love, I love what you're saying because it's really not like, Hey, just think positive versus negative. It's really not that it's really developing the voice of God and the relationship with God to the point of you leaning into it. It's not a concept that, it's not a trick. It's not a mantra. It's like, oh, no, when you feel this, it's not the squeezy ball of faith of, hey, I'm anxious and I'll just kind of squeeze on Jesus to yeah. calm me down. It's not I'm, that. It's a little deeper. Yeah. And, 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 and if I could just piggyback on what you so eloquently said, and you've known me for years. And so, you know, you know how I am. I, I feel like so much of Christianity has been watered down to like positive statements and positive Instagram memes and, you know, figure your way out. And it's like, no, 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 no. Our faith is about a person and his name is Jesus. Our faith is not about fixing problems. It's about the great carpenter fixing us in the midst of problems. We are a Jesus-centered people through the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you know, the Trinity does not fight competition. So when you say the Father, you automatically are including the Son and the Spirit. And likewise, for every person of the Trinity, like we need more people with the voice of God speaking over them mm -hmm. versus these, uh, you know, these positive thoughts. Like I, I want something better than a positive thought. I want to set my mind on things above where Christ is seated at the yeah. right hand. You know, like yeah. Paul is so beautiful. He's like, he's, he's like, you're, you have died and your life is hidden in Christ. I, I mean, that's a beautiful analogy that in this world, Jesus walks before us. Jesus walks behind us. Jesus walks inside of us. It's like Kanye said, Jesus walks. The one who walked out <laughs> of the tomb is walking in us, man. And so we have to lean into it. That's why Paul says, I boast in my weaknesses. Yeah, 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 for sure. And then he, and sure. then he, and then he, and then he gets to the beautiful crescendo and says, Jesus told him, my grace is sufficient for you. Mm. Yeah, that's good, man. It's good. And, and we can talk that more. produces holiness, bro. That's yeah. what produces holiness. What produces sin is us trying to fight sin in our own power. Holiness is saying, God, you got to rescue me because if you don't, I'm toast. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. And I, what I love about that, even that, I mean, we can keep on going about this is the idea of holiness and sin too, is, is that when you remove it or you extend it to the, to, to the depth of what it is, a shalom is a sense mm -hmm. of holiness and bring everything to wholeness. And yeah. so I, I think like when we operate in our insecurity or we operate in whatever else, we're not, we're not spirit, soul, and body one is winning more than other, you know, our flesh is winning more than other, our body is yeah. winning more than other. And so, yeah, it takes the, the spirit of God to actually make us become more whole as people, as leaders, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I and, find myself in seasons moving or leading, leading with the flesh you know, or leading with the body. And does that make sense? Or leading totally. with, the, yeah. the, with the mind versus a holistic holiness, you know? Um, there's so much to that. It's not just, oh, I just stopped doing this habit. No, 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 no. no, it's, no. it's bigger than that, bro. Because um, people in various world religions outside of Christ can do things aesthetically to not sin. Right. right. I, 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 I mean, right. like years ago, I met a young man that was an atheist who said he's not going to have premarital sex because he didn't think it was right. And, yeah. you know, for a lot of Christians, like they've turned purity 
into an idol. And it's like, yeah. well, no, Jesus makes us pure. And then that overflows into a life yeah, of worship. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. we have yeah. to be a people of abiding. And, and you, you know, as you talk about leadership, right, in the New Testament, the word leader is used maybe two times. Mm -hmm. The word disciple mm. is used yeah. 269 times. Yeah. And so what I like to say is this, is that a leader can be a leader without being a disciple, but a disciple of Jesus always flows into leadership. And here's why. Mm, yeah. Because leadership yeah. is influence. Leadership is becoming what you want others to be. Leadership is not telling people what to do. Leadership is emulation. Leadership mm. is giving people a new imagination of what life could be like. Mm -hmm. And that's why Jesus was the ultimate leader. And mm -hmm. what did he say? The son of man came not to be served, mm -hmm. but to be a servant and to give his life away as a ransom. Paul says in Philippians 2, 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in mm -hmm. humility, consider others better than yourself. Verse four, do not look out for your own interest, but for the interest of others, man. That's yeah, yeah. the reimagination of what discipleship looks like that flows into leadership. And so for the pastors that are listening, mm. I oftentimes mm. think that we have been influenced too much by secular business models than we have by Jesus's model. Yeah. Now, oh, yeah. now you and I have talked about this for years, like we're all for systems and processes and yeah. development and organization. But here's the thing, and you know this from experience, uh, Pastor, is that in America, we have so many resource sources that you can build a church without the Holy Spirit. You can have a great uh, a Sunday without the Holy Spirit. You can fake it and yeah. bake it. And so yeah. what happens externally may not be what's happened internally and eternally. And so therefore, yeah, I'm for systems and processes and organization, but all of that must be earned, undergirded by the heartbeat of a deep abiding in the good news of Jesus and the power yeah. of the spirit. Yeah, yeah, man, that's great, man. Yeah, I mean, I think every time we talk about this, uh, I'm always reminded uh, that Jesus, uh, the Jesus and what we do and the gospel G or and the church, Jesus and discipleship, Jesus and has uh, never been a product. So if it's preached as a product, people will react to it as a product. Yes. You know, and, and, and leadership, is when leadership's uh, leadership stops becoming discipleship when it's about a product when you're trying to create a product yep. that's that's the issue and mm -hmm. unfortunately yeah you don't know i didn't realize this till later bro i didn't realize this because i got influenced uh, you know with a lot of leadership in a sense christian leadership but it was really product based yes it was really product based you know how do you sell this how do you how do you market this how do you brand this how do you all of this mm -hmm. and it it's wrapped around the whole like let's get the word out you know but but what's the, the word doesn't it's gone anymore it's like it's like you know you you franchise the crap out of this hamburger it's not even a burger anymore no <laughs> like, I, mean, I mean i don't even know if it's real i don't even know if it's real meat right and so what what you're talking about Naeem is the attractional based model of church, which basically says church is a place where you go on Sunday. Therefore, you have to outcompete them all. You have to out entertain whatever else to yeah. get their attention. And Jesus is not a savior. He may be called savior, but he's actually functioning like a life coach to help you achieve what it is that you want to achieve. Now, here's the other thing, too, is evangelicalism in america rewards the three b's budgets butts and buildings mm -hmm. if, yeah. if if there's a lot of butts in the seats if the budget is high and you've got multiple buildings or campuses you're a rock star man yeah i mean you are on every speaking circuit and tour so like if you want to build a fast church this is the way you do it go to an area where a new target is being built so that means that there's upper mobility 
have a great kids program where they're entertained, have an incredible band. And as a preacher, don't offend people. Don't talk about race. Don't talk about politics. Don't mm -hmm. talk about uh, sexual immorality. Just really talk about how Jesus is kind of gonna, you know, he's a savior and he'll make you happy and just come back next week and invite your friends. And so what I'll say is we've seen a generation of that. And what do we have? We have a fractured divided America where racism is running mm. rampant, where we've seen Christians get involved in QAnon and conspiracies, and it's an absolute dumpster fire. That model has not worked. Yeah, All yeah. The has worked for is the lead pastor mm. who's gotten famous. Yeah. yeah. So like, I yeah. don't want nothing to do with that, man. That's, that's why I, I respect you and yeah, I mean, God has blessed our church. Yeah. We have a we have a big church. It, it's it's been great, um, but man, it hasn't been based on we're selling a product. Um, we believe that there's a real Jesus who walked out of a real tomb, who still wants to walk in people's lives, and yeah. we discuss the hard things like politics. We discuss the hard things like racism and sexual immorality. Mm. But above all else, we discuss the King Jesus gospel, and, and it's making an impact, man. This, this past year, because of COVID, has been our best year. Um, literally, mm -hmm. we've had to hire several new staff. Our budget is as high as it's ever been. Nearly six awesome. people came to faith. Uh, hundreds of people joined our church from around the world. We opened up what's called the Hope Dealers Market, which means that people from the community come in every week to get food, grocery bags. Of food. Mm. Like we've made over 300,000 meals over the last 11 years. We've made over 300,000 backpack meals. We have partnerships wow. with the city and the police department. And so mm. we believe in a holistic savior that's doing holistic things. And so yeah. I just want to encourage folks, man, be careful who you let influence you. Just because it's big and shiny don't mean it's healthy. Tumors grow big and fast. <laughs> oh, wow. That's that's a good one. Tumors do. Ah, wow. Man, okay, so my last, well, I mean, we've been going for a while and we could keep on going. So I was going to ask you this, I, I think it's, uh, the question of like, uh, what do you think is the biggest challenge that you might be facing? Maybe even speak to a challenge that the church might be facing yeah. as a whole as you look at it. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, that would be, yeah, that'd be great. You want to get into that? Yeah. So I will, I will talk about some of the challenges I think the church is facing. Then I'll conclude with the challenges that I'm working through as well. So okay. the church in America right now is going through a purging, particularly white evangelicalism is going through a purging. It is, uh, it is going through uh, just incredible. The fabric of what it is is being torn and stretched, and it's like the emperor has no clothes on. And mm. this is what I mean by, by, by this is when I first became a Christian in the late 90s, I rem re rem remember a lot of my white evangelical brothers and sisters were saying Bill Clinton was like the worst thing yeah. ever. And it was like, okay, so morals matter. And then it was like Donald Trump came into power and it was like, morals don't matter. And what a person does in a personal <laughs> life doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter if he one week said, no, I did not pay a porn star for sex to pay her off. And then next yeah. week goes, yes, I paid her off. And then to call other countries around the world s-hole countries and kung flu mm -hmm. virus and um all this just stuff and u.s capital insurrection and i'm looking around going oh my gosh where has the power of the gospel went right but also on the progressive left you kind of see the same thing happening so i think that uh, nationalism is um, something that's tearing the church apart, political idolatries tearing the church apart, and that's on the right and the left, because the progressive left want the kingdom without King Jesus, 
and the conservative right wants some of Jesus's morals without the gospel of the king. And so I think there's hope. And I think that minority pastors and Christians on the fringes and margins are going to be the ones leading the way as America becomes more secular, because we're used to being outsiders. Like not name, like you're from Kuwait and Pakistan. Like you know what it means to be the outside guy. Like you yeah, know what yeah, it means yeah. as a black man. I know what it means to be the outsider. And so we know how to operate without privilege. We know how to operate without power. We know how to operate. And that was the early church. The early church had no privilege, no power, no political clout, but it had the power of the of the Holy Spirit and it flipped the Roman Empire on its ear. And then Rome was like, yeah, we need to join with, with these guys. And then right. the, the looted the faith. So I think the solution is we need more theology. We need more Jesus. We need more gospel. We need more discipleship. Uh, we need more kingdom of God. And so, yeah, man, um, what I'm personally challenged with is... Well, hold on, hold on. Let me ask okay. you this, though. Let me speak into that a little bit. So, um, but, okay, but do you... I know what you said the church needs to do, but uh, do you think they're recognizing it? I know you are saying this. You see it. But do do they see it? Or do is the church as a whole see what you just said is happening? Is there a true repentance not i feel bad about it no i'm changing my ways we are changing uh, the model so you see that I happening would, yeah so what i would say is i do believe it is happening to a certain degree after the murder of george floyd i i have never seen so many of my white brothers and sisters like okay we get, get it teach us show us we want to walk with 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 these but at the same time though i've seen a hardening a deepening in just some twilight zone crazy stuff man and so what i think is going to happen particularly with evangelicalism white evangelicalism is this when you start to affect the money that's when the change will happen because people are going to start coming to churches like yours, churches like mine, and these buildings are going to be emptied, starting with Gen Z. Gen, Gen Z is not going to put up with this stuff. They want to be a part of action. They want to be a part of something big. Yeah. They want to be able to say, hey, I love my LGBTQ friends. And I want to be there for them, even though I hold to a biblical tradition traditional sexual ethic, but I can still treat them with dignity. Hey, um, I can march in Black Lives Matter and not be a part of Black Lives Matter because Jesus said, love your neighbors, you love, love yourself. They want to be a part of like justice. Justice mm -hmm. is what love looks like in public. And so, um, no, I, I don't think I see it in the power structures of evangelicalism, but I think in the common pew, I see people going, yeah, there's got to be there's got to be more. And yeah. I think it's important for minority leaders to always be building bridges and not making ghettos of ethnocentrism like, well, I'm just going to be a black church. It's like, no, Jesus doesn't give us that option. Yeah, Jesus yeah. does not give us that option. Yeah. Every nation, tribe and tongue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. OK, that's good. That's good. OK, you were going to say. <laughs> You're going to get into your challenges, you said. Yeah, 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 man. So it's it's really been an incredible season. So since 2019, by 2022, I would have written uh, The Good Life, what Jesus teaches about finding true happiness, a book called Building a Multi-Ethnic Church. Mm -hmm. That just came called, out, right? Yeah, that just came out. Like, it goes live uh, April 6th, yeah a book called God, Do You Hear Me? Discovering a Prayer That God Always Hears. Mm -hmm. That comes out in October, 2021. And then in February, 2022, I have a book that'll be out called Grace, What the Bible Teaches About Healing the Racial Divide. Okay. So, so it has been an incredibly fruitful time. But the challenge is making sure I'm managing my energy, uh, making sure 
to fight the spiritual warfare. Uh, a loved one in my family uh, literally got robbed at, at gunpoint. And uh, the person who was being robbed, they wanted to steal their car. And the person said no. And eventually wrestled for the gun. The gun goes off, shoots him in his lower leg. The person in the oh. driver's seat jumps in the driver's seat while they're wrestling. And uh, yeah, man. So in, anyway, in, anyway. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, fine. yeah. Wow. People have gotten arrested, but there's incredible spiritual warfare. Like um, even though the openness to this gospel-centered multi-ethnic message that the gospel is more than forgiving people of sins, it's creating a family of brothers and sisters with different colored skins and his family joins Jesus on mission. The pushback is immense. The Twitter trolls are immense. Or mm. even when you have people that have been at your church for eight years and they're like, well, we're leaving because you're requiring us to wear a mask at Easter. <laughs> and so it's I like, know, well, I mean, it's I, like, well, I, yeah. we love you. You know, so, um, so the challenge is keeping a soft heart, thick skin, and healthy emotions in the midst of chaos. And what I keep telling myself, in the midst of the storm of chaos, he still says peace and makes it yeah. stay. Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah, I, yeah, man, that's great, bro. That's, that's great. So good. So good uh, in terms of all the uh, things that we've kind of hit on. I know that uh, I know what you're I, the frustration of terms of like uh, how we discipled people. Well, you know, I was just reading yesterday, just uh, this uh, re, re just reading the story of the Last Supper and Jesus spending time with his disciples and then arguing about who's going to be the greatest right mm -hmm. after that. Yeah. One of the Gospels. And, you know, it's so profound is like he says um, he said, um, who do you think is more important on the table at the table? The person who's on the table or the person who's serving the table? Mm. And he goes, it's the person serving the table. Mm. And that's where, you know, that's where he leads off to the greatest among you will be the servant of all. Yeah. And I think the, the discipleship, the people, the disciples we are making are the people who want to be at the right table, not serving. Mm. See, if I think, I think if you, if Christians, Christians who, who go, I am serving at tables, will have no problem wearing masks. Ooh. People sitting at tables will say, Ooh. why am I, why do, why I don't, what, why am I supposed to wear a mask? Because mm. you think you're supposed to just sit at tables. Mm. Yeah. Anyways. Brother, I love it. You're talking about that kenosis in Philippians 2, 5 through 11. He humbled himself, becoming a servant, obedient unto death. Yeah. That, we, that, that true leadership is serving. Yeah. So, man, yeah, uh, it's so crazy. I mean, I have family members who, you know, are just anti-mass as well. But I'm like, come on, man. Come on. I don't do it for me. I do it for others. That's what you do it for. Well, and when there's disinformation about mass, they, they legitimately think that they're doing right. And so what I say is, listen. Mask, no mask. I'm gonna love you regardless. I'm gonna respect you regardless. <laughs> right, right, exactly. There are bigger, exactly. there are bigger fish yeah. to fry, and uh, within the body of Christ, there certainly is room for us to disagree. I just, I just think, even in our disagreement, we can be humble, we can be patient, we can be kind, we can be loving. Yeah, man, so good. All right, tell our people uh, what you're excited about right now. Your book's coming out. Tell them uh, where they can find you, where they can follow yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. So, what I'm excited about right now is uh, I have a brand new book, book, book out called Building a Multi Ethnic Church A Gospel Vision of Love, Grace, Reconciliation in a Divided World. I am excited about that book. It mm -hmm. is not just for pastors, it is not just for ministry leaders, it's for every believer that cares about Jesus and his church and the mission of the church. Um, I have written in um, a simple, not simplistic, but a simple, plain, compelling way so that everybody can get it. So what I would say is this, if you're not a ministry leader, but you want to grow in your faith, you want to mature in your faith, 
get my book, Building a Multi-Ethnic Church. You can get it anywhere books are sold online. For those of you who would like to connect with me more, go to derwinlgray.com. DerwinLGray.com. You have access to my sermons at Transformation Church and all my other books. And uh, I would just love to serve and connect with, with you. Uh, I am for the body of Christ. Um, I love you guys without having to know you because I know Christ. And check this out. On the cross, the body of Jesus is where sin goes to die. But in the resurrection, the body of Jesus is where all, all of his children go to live. Mm, man, that's awesome, bro. Hey, it is always a joy uh, hanging with you. And so I'm so glad that we just able to do a podcast finally. So many great conversations, friends. Um, thanks so much, buddy. Thanks so much. I love you. And one day you may be as muscular as me. <laughs> yeah, that was yesterday. That was yesterday. <laughs> you see it? Uh, <laughs> and I don't even do CrossFit. I haven't lifted weights in a month. It's all, it's all, juicing again, bro. We talked about this. <laughs> all right, man. All right, bro. Thanks, bro. Bye. All right, brother. All right. Bye. Vinny, wow, right? I mean, come on. I mean, uh, there we went so many different directions in a sense, but <laughs> it was, uh, it was so good though. And, um, I just so appreciate him being open, honest, because I think when we are as leaders, we help so many other people, um, you know, along the way. So grateful. So true. So grateful for him. Yeah. So true, man. This, this whole series has been great. And, um, and you know, if you, if you're listening and you, you've been enjoying it and you want to share it, we really appreciate mm -hmm. that. You can uh, like subscribe. You can go to naimfazl.org to find more content. You can go on your Instagram and share this last episode. And you can even look at uh, previous episodes that we've posted on uh, our timeline. So go check those out. Share them yes. with somebody today. We appreciate the support. We love you guys. Naeem, thank you for another great episode. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, later. man. All right. See you guys.